Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. All right, here we go. What you think about Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I just hope you're having a fabulous day. I'm located in Minnesota here, and we got through our storms without too much damage in my area anyways, and I'm looking forward to a, a brilliant Tuesday. If you liked our opening music, it's called Clarion Call by the Mark Arneson Band featuring Maya Dore, and you can download that on any of your favorite music platforms. For those of you that are new to our show, we are about sound information, not just sound bites. We like to have a real conversation with real people who are in the trenches and um, know what they're talking about and uh, can give us some practical ideas in terms of how to live gracefully with this disease. Now, today's show is a live show, and so you can call in and join the conversation and ask us some questions if you would like. That number is 323-870-4602. That is 323-870-4602. And shortly, we are going to be talking with Tracy Lawrence, who wrote the book, Dementia Sucks. And I think uh, pretty much anybody who has been touched by dementia can relate with that title if they like it or not (laughs) at one point or another on their journey. But before I introduce you to Tracy, I'm going to do a couple of shout outs. Uh, One is to the Memory Cafe directory. Uh, Dave is still coordinating for five different countries where all the Memory Cafes are and which ones are virtual. Uh, you go to, to Cafe Connect to find the virtual ones. Some are starting to talk about coming back online. So uh, that will all be in place on the calendar there for you. Uh, again, just go to dementia or go to Memory Cafe directory. <clears throat> and then I want to give a shout out to Coral Health. They are still allowing people to download two of their apps, Music First and Coral Faith Free, during the pandemic. And uh, you can go to their website, Coro is C-O-R-O health.com. And then, of course, Dementia Map, which is a global resource directory that um, Dave and I um, launched till the end of last quarter. And it's growing nicely. Uh, organically is, is exactly how we plan to do it. We want to be a 24-7 shop for people with dementia and those caring for them, so both families and professionals. Very easy to use. We don't ask you for any personal information up front. Um, we just want to get information into the hands of those who need it. I had a mom who struggled with dementia for 30 years. I get it, guys, and it wasn't there for my family, and I really wanted it to be there for your for yours. And um, so Dave and I are growing that. If you are a 
person with a service product or tool, we would like to have you sign up. Um, I would be more than glad to give you a tour of the site as well. Just reach out to me um, at radio at alzheimerspeaks.com. And let's see, I need to mention um, in one of the um, memory cafes I do is Arthur's, um, which is uh, sponsored by Arthur Senior Care. And we get together the second and fourth Wednesday of each month at one o'clock central time. And that is virtual. We're going to stay virtual, I think, for a little while yet. And um, anybody is welcome. So, again, if you're interested in that, you can reach out to me um, as far as that goes. I also want to give a shout out to um, a event coming up is actually this Thursday from 12 to 1 o'clock. And uh, it is with Susan McFadden. And she has been extremely involved in <clears throat> dementia-friendly communities, has done marvelous work with the Fox Valley Project, her and her husband, John, um, in Wisconsin, and with the Fry Art Museum in partnership with Aging Wisdom in the University of Washington Memory and Brain Wellness Center. She's going to be doing a presentation Thursday, April 8th, from 12 to 1 o'clock. And um, you can go to the frymuseum.org and go to their calendar of events uh, to be able to find more information on that. Also, um, April 22nd, I am going to be uh, doing a introduction, basically, on Dementia Map. And anyone is welcome to attend that Emerald Crest part of Cassia is going to be um, uh, sponsoring that. And we're just going to show you simple ways to be able to explore a variety of dementia resources. So, um, again, reach out to me on that, and we will get you more information. Or you can call Christine Drasher at 952-856-7521. That's 952-856-7521. We're going to hear from the Foot Bar Walker, and then we are going to get chatting with Tracy. Introducing the life-changing Foot Bar Walker. I'm Peggy from Danville, Kentucky, and I'm 91 years old. The Foot Bar Walker revolutionized my care of George. The saving that I made from having to put him in a nursing home came to about $192,000. The Foot Bar Walker opens and closes just like a standard walker. The only thing that is different is the top bar and the foot bar. Does that ever make a difference? Does someone you love use a walker? Do they struggle to get up from a seated position? Are you a caregiver dealing with physical pain and stress as you help your patient? The Foot Bar Walker was designed to assist not only the patient, but also the caregiver. Patients have more control standing up, and no lifting from the caregiver is required. See how it works at thefootbarwalker.com. That's thefootbarwalker.com. Peggy, would you recommend the Foot Bar Walker? Do I ever? I would not be in the health that I'm in today at this age had it not been for the Foot Bar Walker. Well, let's get to our conversation with Tracy Lawrence. She is the founder of Grand Family Planning and a best-selling author of the book Dementia Sucks. Um, she survived caregiving two parents who had dementia, and Tracy has a unique perspective on the challenges of staying productive under pressure, which we can all relate to, and she addresses the growing uh, caregiver pa uh, pandemic um, while she is uh, doing her speaking and coaching engagements as well as training. So welcome, Tracy. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Lori. Thanks so much for having me today. 
Well, I'm excited to have this conversation with you. If you can give people a little more background, I know when they heard both parents, they're probably tipping over in their chairs right now. Um, can you just give people just a, a short little background as to, you know, how long ago that was, or are you still dealing with it? All those fun kind of details. Okay. Well, uh, back in 2003 was uh, when I learned that my father was uh, struggling with dementia. I and my husband live in northern New Jersey, and my parents were living La Vida Loca down in Florida. And um, I, I spoke to my father regularly on the phone, and I thought everything was great. And then we went down for a visit, and that's when I realized that things were not so great and that my father was struggling with a number of illnesses. And shortly after that, he had a crisis which uh, sent him into a place where his short-term memory completely evaporated. And he was misdiagnosed a bunch of times, but I was uh, thrown into a position where I was having to take care of my dad, help my mom cope with the idea that her life partner was no longer going to be the person she was used to him being and uh, having to figure out a whole host of other things. Um, And uh, it was my entree into, into caregiving and understanding, you know, what an adult child has to get a hold of uh, when, when these things happen. Uh, I was extremely fortunate in that my parents had done some very smart things before my dad got sick. But, um, you know, it it was still extremely difficult. I was a graphic artist. I knew nothing about elder care or geriatric illnesses or dementia or long-term care or any of those things. So it was uh, just just completely took me by surprise. Uh, My father uh, was extremely unhappy and he was very clear that he did not want to be kept alive any longer than he that than he had to be and so my family all we pretty much got on the same page and we did didn't do anything to extend my father's life and he died the following year on july of 2004 my mom, once my dad passed, uh, she wanted to go back to Florida, and I, I took her back, and she resumed independent life, and she she was she did a pretty good job for a couple of years, but then she started having health issues, and uh, I, my husband and I were doing the, the distance caregiving thing between New Jersey and Florida, and we no longer had vacations. We would go and see how mom was doing and take her shopping and and uh, ultimately it became clear that mom was not going to be able to live independently any longer so in 2010 i brought her to come live with my husband and me and um that was where the the direct hands-on day-to-day caregiving started and after about about a year, um, she, I could no longer take care of her in my home, and that was when we started the uh, her 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 visit to assisted, and then different levels of care, and, and that was when things got really challenging. <laughs> so, uh, and my mother passed away in uh, April of 2015 on her 64th wedding anniversary. 
Wow. After eight, yeah, eight, and she was on hospice for eight months. Okay, okay. Well, sorry to to hear that's a that's a pretty heavy package that you're around in in dealing with. Did you, you know, through this journey, um, is as heavy as it sounds, and even you know the title of your book, you know, dementia sucks. Did you find though that that you had moments of joy? Oh, oh, absolutely. You know, Lori, I, I'm I, I I can't state this clearly enough. My I I'm very blessed. Um, I grew up in a family where uh, a sense of humor was highly valued, and I was taught as I as 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 I matured that it, having a sense of humor will get you through just about anything. And mm-hmm. you know, and and while my parents were going through what they were going through, as terrible as their circumstances could be, th- their, their sense of humor shone through. And, uh, you know, one of the most interesting things I, I found about my mother's situation was that you know, she became profoundly psychotic, which, of course, sounds terrible, but uh, she was also very funny and very creative. And I, I was, while, you know, it was my mother and it was, it was breaking my heart to watch her go through this, at the same time, it was fascinating and there were times when I could I could connect with her on various different levels just by listening to her and being with her and trying and, and knowing her as well as I I did I was able to 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 learn about the new versions of her and interact mm-hmm. with those new versions uh, in in interesting ways and whenever I could break through and have that have that relationship with her whatever it was going to become there was a lot of satisfaction in that and being able to figure things out and being able to persuade her when she was at her worst and things she was obviously frightened and agitated and whatever else she was going through when i could get her to listen and connect with me and calm down and find some peace in her situation, there was a great deal of satisfaction in that, and uh, a lot of thank you. And a lot, you know, a lot of what, what's in the book are those revelations, are those discoveries, because uh, like you, um, when I got involved in my parents' care, the the, the, the resources were were very few, and uh, you know, and and as I went through my journey with my mom. I felt that if people could learn from what I was going through and you know benefit from from my discoveries that you know it would be worth putting it out there and so initially as I was I I I was writing about all the events and all the angst and all the the, the sadness and all the 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 um whatever was going on at the time uh you know I was also learning things and sharing those things and blogging so uh, and and I and I had some followers, and there were people, and from all over the world, which was amazing, uh, because a lot of the issues that we face as caregivers transcends, you know, culture and 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 nation. It it, it it's, you know, having the, these relationships with our loved ones, you know, it's it's it is universal. So, uh, you know, and, and it was also really interesting to learn from other people. You know, I, I would hear from other folks from different countries and hear, like, what 
their solutions to certain things were or their perspectives on different things. So it it, it was really illuminating and uh and, and, and I loved it when I could, you know, put something out there that, you know, someone someone would read and then say, Thank you for sharing that. I it was that's something that's been bothering me or you know, so that you don't feel so alone and that you feel like there's somebody else out there in the world who understands what you're going through. Yeah, that's so needed. When you talk about dementia, you know, transcends culture and ages and all that. And and I think the reason it does because it's such an emotional journey and nobody has a peg on, on that roller coaster of emotions. And yeah. you know, that to me is really what brings makes the journey so similar. Um, you know, for for all of us out there dealing with it, um, you know, I, it's it's obvious that you do what you do because of your own personal journey, um, and, and I think that that's wonderful. That's how I got into this too. I, I didn't sign up for this and think, oh, this would be a good area to go into. It just <laughs> happened, <laughs> you know, and you kind of sure. get zapped and you get this belief of. Gosh, I don't want anybody to to make the mistakes I made. You know, if I can right. if I can help, you know, them uh, detour from some of those or make them less difficult, um, I'm all I'm all in. What kinds of things can people benefit from your offerings? You know, you you have the book and you you do speaking engagements and training and and things. Um, why don't you give people a little more um, meat in those areas of what they could expect? Ah. Uh. That, uh, great question, and thank you. Uh, you know, nobody really knows what to expect when they get into this. And the the common thread, every time somebody contacts me for the first time, it's just they're, they're, the, the the word that comes up is overwhelm. And you know, they, and they're just they they just don't know what to do first. And that and and if you you're um, proactive. And as human beings, we tend not to do that, right? Uh, because we don't, we just don't want to acknowledge that these kinds of things could potentially happen to us. But the sad fact is, is that they do. And so, what I do for the people in my world is to get, help them to understand first what what caregiving is all about, and that there are things that they can do to prepare themselves and their family members so that when stuff starts happening, they'll be ready. So, you know, in this country there are certain um, protections in place uh, so that, you know, when uh, the, the, the big one that, 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 that comes up again and again and again is HIPAA, right? So, you know, when, when our parents um, are first, you know, becoming aware that, 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 that something may happen, um, you know, they are able-bodied, independent people, and they are prote- their privacy is protected under the law. And if we, as their caring loved ones, try to step up and help them, we might not be able to help them as effectively as we might because we don't have the right. We are, have not been appointed. So one of the things that I try to help people understand is that the, the importance of seeking uh, um, appointment from their loved ones so that, you know, when the time comes, they'll have someone who knows and cares about them who can speak for them and make sure that their wishes are honored. Uh, Because you don't want to wait until a loved one is in cognitive decline 
to try to start making these things happen because that 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 ship sails really quick. Uh, so you you want to be able to have these conversations and set certain things in motion while your parents are capable and cognitively intact. So you can you you can have those appointments made. You can uh, you you can learn from your parent what what they would want to have happen in the event that certain things happen to them, uh, and you know put certain things in place so that you are protected, so that your parents are protected, and so that the rest of your family has some sort of um, agreement that there's a consensus. Because too many people who fall into this caregiving thing uh, without any preparation sometimes get victimized by other family members if they don't make certain preparations in advance. So, and and, and that's a, a terrible thing to consider, but unfortunately, <laughs> I know too many people have been through it. So, uh, you know, I I, I, I want to raise awareness of what all of the, all the different moving parts are and help people to address them, to protect themselves, to protect their loved ones, and to get everybody on the same page so that everyone's rowing together. And that is so important. Um, You know, with my own family, I was kind of, you know, tag your it. My brothers kind of looked around from the sides and stuff, and, and they were fine with that. Then towards the end, they wanted more involvement in how are things being divvied up, and they, they, they got to be questioning more, even though they were on the documents as secondary, sure. like powers of attorney and things like that. But, you know, I found it so good for my parents to be able to talk through who do you want to be responsible for what, from finances to pulling the plug, because... Um, you know, and, and really giving thought to how do they want things to go. I know I even struggled with my dad towards the end. It was really important for him to be involved in the decision-making of his his finances. And at the end, I allowed him to make a decision, which my brothers still weren't happy for. And it didn't make them as much money. Um, but to me and, and to my dad, the value was for him to be able to make the decision. You know, we and myself and the financial planner did the best we could, but ultimately um, that was really, you know, one of the main goals that was really important to both he and mom. And uh, you know, and people out there can argue with that, and and I'm not here to say what we what I did was right or wrong. My brothers would would say they didn't agree with it. and, you know, and that happens in families. You know, the trick is how do you handle it from there? And right, and, right. and that's so where it gets really complicated. <laughs> um, you know, trying to, to hide some of those things that happen within families, I think, can do way more harm than damage than just being up front in terms of yeah. why they happened and, um, and and what your rationale was behind the decision, and and I don't know if you see that, but I see it a lot when people are like, I'm just not going to tell them that. No, hopefully they won't they won't hear about that, and then we don't have to deal yeah. with it. But then it seems yeah. like it gets worse. Yeah, well, it's it's like anything else that you try to cover up, right? Eventually, you know, it's it's going to come up somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. That's that, that that that's just that's just life. But you know, one of the things that that that, that I'm very um, 
I'm very grounded in the idea that you know when when you're dealing with your parents and what they want and their 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 end of life choices, their what they want should always you know take precedence because you know when when you know they've worked all their lives for certain things and one of the things that 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 they have a right to is the maximum amount of dignity and control over their situation mm-hmm. and you know and and as long as it's not taking away from you know from from their children you know a, a lot of kids like have this expectation that they're going to inherit something mm-hmm. you know and, and and I say you know look your parents work for this. They come first. And, mm-hmm. you know, and if there's a need that they have, their needs should be first. And if, it, and, and, and if it's even just giving them the, the, the dignity of having some control, that's, that's a gift you can give them. And you should, you know, it, it, look, it may have some financial ramifications, but at the end of the day, you know, what's more important? And, you know, and and at the same time, you know, I also try to keep the adult children from having to dip into their own resources to support their parents if their parents didn't do something ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, yes, you should definitely work together. And, yes, there should be uh, it, uh, th- there should be some things in place. And, yes, you want to be generous, but by the same token, you don't want to be foolish and you know and and mortgage your own future because your parents didn't plan properly but a part of that is encouraging them to have certain conversations up front and figuring things out together while they're still competent to be able to figure yeah. out what's doable within you know the framework of 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 the the plans that they've made the resources that they have and their desires and work together to make as much of that happen as possible yeah, what was nice for, for me is uh, the attorney um, who did their financial planning and stuff um, and met with my folks originally said, Lori, um, not, you're not in the room. This is just between me and them. And I'm like, okay, fine. And, but my parents really wanted me in, and they trusted me. Uh-huh. So I got, to, I got to hear that conversation and really be in on the nitty-gritty of what was uh-huh. important and so really became a team member of priorities and having that that dignity and that purpose in the equation was was important. Looks like we have a caller on the line, so let me just see if I can pull them in. Uh, it's somebody from a five six six nine number five six six nine. You're live. Do you want to state your name and if you have a question or comment? Hi, this is Gerard from New Mexico. Hi, Gerard. How are you doing? Doing great. I was Good. recently diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease, and uh, I know that my mother-in-law also has Alzheimer's disease, and she uh, frequently asks about her son that just recently passed away in December, and every time she asks, we tell her the truth, you know, that he's, because she asks, did something happen to Noel? Mm-hmm. And so it it devastates her, you know. And yeah. we tell the truth. And okay. um, and so I, I'm glad that we can at least tell her the truth, you know, because that way, you know, she, you know, we try to bring her into reality. And uh, in my case, uh, secondly, 
uh, I just want to be, uh, you know, cool and nice and, and happy with my family. I don't want to, as my um, illness progresses, I don't want to be, you know, mean and nasty. So I'm trying to train <laughs> myself to be a cool guy, you know. Well, that's wonderful. Tracy, do you have any comments for, for Gerard? Uh, Gerard, uh, I'm uh, I'm I'm sorry to hear about what your your, your situation, but um, I'm I'm glad you have such a a, a really positive attitude about it. Um, one thing I would say, though, when it comes to uh, reminding your mom, is it's your mom, right? My mother-in-law. Oh, your mother-in-law. Reminding your mother-in-law yeah. that, that 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 her um, her son has has died. You might. Something that I, I usually um, I, 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 I recommend against reminding them because you know the thing is she since she's not going to remember anyway and it's going to cause her pain to reconnect with that idea um, I, I I like to say um, don't correct redirect and you know if you can find okay. some other way of talking about her lost love, loved one uh, than reminding her that he's gone, um, it might be better because, you know, it, it, okay. as you point out, it devastates her. And, and, and emotions stay with us for a, a much longer time than memories do. So, you know, you, you might want to, you know, like maybe remind her of a, uh, a happy event that happened with him Okay. That you can kind of like, you know, like like laugh about, or, or or have you know reminisce about, because that's a way to kind of keep him in the conversation without saying, well, you know, he's dead. You know, because it's it's it, it, it's it's better to indulge pleasant memories, if at all possible, than to you know to, than to reconnect her with 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 unpleasant memories. Because it's not going to stick with her anyway. Except, but but the emotion may. Yeah. Okay. I would I would just that... throw in there um, too, Gerard. I went through that with my own mom, and it was really, um, it, you know, not only was it painful for her, but it was painful for all of us too to go through that. And it 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 varied for family members from from sadness to anger of why does she keep asking that to um, people reliving the death all over again as well. And so I'm um, you know what I personally did was I shifted from kind of that right or wrong um, attitude and kind of leaned into you know what what Tracy was saying about don't correct redirect. Because if you can reminisce about those joyful memories, it it elevates everybody in the room, you know, with that. We we did what we call some fiblets where we would tell my mom that my dad had just left, but she'll see him later. And, you know, you can say it's a lie or she will die and go to heaven and she will see him later. Um, but we really focused on her emotional state of being because we knew the logic was gone. And, um, and so no matter how hard we wanted, you know, her to, to know that and keep that thought as family members, we also got to the point of realizing that she couldn't and, and reliving that over and over isn't something that we wished upon her at that point. And that then allowed us to not 
kind of totally tell the truth, I guess. Um, does that make sense? It does, and it makes you feel better to have, yep. like, a statement, and, and when she asks, blend in that happiness, you know, uh, uh, sharing a happy event, and to focus on the emotional well-being, you know. Yep. And so that makes a lot of sense. Thank you. You know what? I really needed to hear that, so I appreciate it. Well, good. Well, thank you so much for calling in. I appreciate you joining the conversation today. Yeah. You have a wonderful day. I appreciate day. And you too. Bye now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was a that was a great question. I mean, so many people struggle with that um, okay. that correctiveness, and yeah. you know we we all think you know that's what we're supposed to do because that's what we've done all our life. So why would it make any any difference? It actually looks like we have another caller on the line. Do you mind if I pull them in right now, um, and then we oh, can come do. back to you? Okay. So I've got another caller on the line from a 2449, number 2449, if you want to state your name and why you're calling in. Hi, my name is Nelixa Fortuna, and I'm a geriatrician. Okay, wonderful. Yes, so I listened to Gerard's case, and um, one thing, um, if possible, that can be done is... um, you guys can create an album with pictures of your mother-in-law with, with her deceased son, pictures, you know, of, of family gatherings, happy pictures. And whenever she asks where he is, you can just um, show um, her the album, and then that might take her also to a happy place, and then you can start a conversation um, regarding happy memories and then, um, like, Somebody mentioned about the happy memories and the emotions will linger, and then you might mm-hmm. be able to distract her that way. Uh, that's a wonderful, wonderful point. The only thing I, I know that I personally went through, and, and we can ask Tracy um, with hers, as my mom progressed, uh, well, well, and even when she was still in earlier stages, but she couldn't cognitively, you know, connect some of the dots, but she was still very social. Um, we had some family and friends that used the pictures as a test. Who is that now? You remember who that is. And then that kind of can, <laughs> that can defeat your purpose because people can look at a picture and find the joy. But if we turn it into a test, we're, we're defeating the, the purpose sometimes of that. And I don't know if you, uh, Alexa, have run into that yourself or seen that, but I know I personally experienced it, but it's a beautiful way to be able to um, reminisce and share memories. Well, my take is that if they're asking, it's because they remember, (laughs) right? They must have some sort of like an image of that person. That's why they're asking about that person, hopefully. Um, But I I, I did have this one patient. I haven't had him in over... um, nine years because that was in the west coast and i'm currently on the east coast but he does have an album and i'm in the album and then he will tell his social worker i love her that that's my doctor but i'm not there i haven't been there um in a while so but they know and he 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 attaches it to like a positive um emotion so Mm -hmm. yep exactly Tracy, and then you um, to... as for Gerard, it, uh-huh. like uh, sorry about the new diagnosis, but um, he can just train his brain just like a muscle. Um, 
do puzzles, try to learn something new just to keep the brain trained. It's not, it's not a, a catastrophic um, diagnosis. Don't overthink it in case he is overthinking it. There's a lot of fear, right, associated with a diagnosis like that. But yeah, lo- yeah, a lot of awareness that needs to be done. Tracy, mm-hmm. any thoughts? Um, yeah, uh, well, I, I was going to say, um, get, getting back to the to, to, to the photo album, um, you know, uh, and sometimes, uh, you know, uh, as as a person's dementia progresses, they don't remember people's names. I mean, with my in the case of my mother. For the longest time, I became her sister Sylvia, because in my mother's mind, she was much, much younger, and she's looking at me. And at that point, I'm in my fifties, and you know, and she's she's she knows that she has the relationship with me, but I can't possibly be her daughter because I'm so much older than she thinks she is. So, um, so I became her big sister Sylvia. Uh, so, it, you know, it's it's. It's interesting, um, you know, it's, and it's great to have photo albums to remind, you know, people of the relationships, um, but they won't necessarily know who's who. They do forget people's names and, um, and their roles, and, uh, but, you know, if you can, if you can use it as a, as, a, as a jumping off point for recalling certain, you know, funny stories or, you know, remember that time when we went here and did this, you know, that kind of thing, then it's, you know, it's, it's just, it's another um, prompt, another um, entry point to having a, a, a more pleasant and, uh, and, and enjoyable conversation. It's, uh, uh, I, I think it's just, it's better to, to have ways of um, avoiding the, 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 the less pleasant aspects of things that happen to loved ones. Okay, wonderful. Um, Alexa, anything else that you wanted to say? Um, I've had um, demented patients well into their 90s, and they think they're in their 40s. It's fascinating. Mm-hmm. We, might, yep. we might suffer for them thinking like, oh, poor thing, how old, but um, I've had patients and you ask them, so what did you do yesterday? And they'll tell you, oh, we went dancing. So, yep. I mean, their brain goes to some other happy um, place, you know, in their life, and that's what they're remembering. Yep. Yep. Wonderful. Well, thank you for calling in. Appreciate your your time and your insights today. Thank you, today. guys. My pleasure. Great. You have a wonderful day. Bye bye. Um, Tracy, I wanted to um, ask you about your book because I want to make sure that we let people know where they can find your book. Um, is it on your site? Is it on Amazon? Is it in bookstores? Uh, fill us in. Yes. Um, Dementia Sucks is actually uh, available in all those places. Uh, it's published by Postal Press, which is distributed by Simon & Schuster. So it's on Amazon. And, in fact, in August, uh, it hit number one bestseller status in four categories. Uh, so it's a, you can find it on on, uh, on Amazon as a as a paperback or a Kindle edition. It's also available on Barnes and Noble. Um, it's on Leadership Books. And if you want to you know take a look at more information about the book, I actually have a website called DementiaSucks.com. So <laughs> it's it's an easy way to find all of my stuff because it's it's linked to all my other media and uh, and things that I do. 
Wonderful. Thank you. And I know that you are really big about trying to get to employers to let them understand the needs of their employees. Why don't you spend a little bit of time on that? We've got about 20 minutes left, so um, we definitely have time to, to talk. I think that that's a an extremely important area. I know employment has gotten really goofy because people are working out of the house as well. Um, but all that is impacted too with, with all of this stuff. So uh, I'll oh, let you sure. take it from here. Oh yeah. Thanks Lori. Well, I, I, it's, well, you know, for the longest time uh, I have been working directly with the adult children of aging parents for the most part. Uh, and one of the things that, I noticed early on was that you know people have a tendency to wait uh, until they take action because it's human nature, right? We we deny that there's a problem until we can't deny anymore, and then we use procrastination to to, to kind of take our time. And unfortunately, that strategy works against most people because the longer you wait, the fewer options you have available. And uh, at the same time, uh, people who are working and who uh, and have careers and professions and companies also have a tendency to have uh, living, aging parents. And the numbers of people in that situation is only going to grow because we are aging in this country at the rate of 10,000 people turning 65 every day. And that's going to continue until 2030. So the numbers are going to keep growing at a pretty astronomical rate. So, and and now, you know, with the pandemic, a lot of people are working from home. Their parents who were perfectly independent a year ago are now much less uh, free to, to, to move around, they're uh, more concerned, uh, and they're more vulnerable and more likely to be leaning on their adult children. And uh, employers who have the understanding that their employee, employees are faced with uh, greater challenges than before because they're working from home. They have these these aging parents who are vying for their attention. In many cases, they've got their kids going to school from home, um, and, and uh, you know, or they've got a hybrid situation where they're having to pick them up at different times. And the uh, the, the challenges of being productive and staying focused in those circumstances. They just get get gets harder and harder, and so for employers who recognize this and who understand that by supporting these employees with certain tools, they can help to enhance their productivity and help to cultivate a, a, a better culture for their company by providing the kinds of tools these people need while their, their, their parents are still mostly independent. 
because you know they're getting they're kind of getting a care caregiving preview right now, right? Um, it's you know people who at this the stage that everyone's at would not be worried about this right now are kind of you know they're they're being asked for more support from their par you know on behalf of their parents than they would have been had this situation not occurred. So I am advocating with companies that want to support and help their their employees to, uh, to, to to be more productive and to be better prepared for a time when they're going to have to respond to a crisis, that we show them, one, how to use your benefits intelligently so that if you're in a situation where you have to take time off and care for your loved one. What do you do? What kind of paperwork do you do? What kind of documentation do you need? What do you need in order to be able to advocate for your loved one successfully and provide that kind of landscape for them and connect them with the resources that they need in order to be able to put all of these different pieces in place? And I can create a program for the employees where we can get together in a Zoom meeting and we can go through what their benefits are. If they have uh, an employee assistance program, then we can look at what the different features are together, how to implement what, when, um, you know, how different aspects of their benefits work for them, um, and also work with the employer to create a plan so that people who are in that situation where they may have to duck out in a hurry because of, uh, of an emergency, and I think that's just about everybody, <laughs> um, to be able to say, um, okay, there's one phone call or one text that you need to send to um, a person who will then, you know, take over for you, who will let everybody who needs to know that you're going to be out of touch for a little while, that you had an emergency, and so that the work continues, so that customers continue to be served, so that you know that that the company continues to provide the services their customers are used to having, even though this one important person is going to be absent for a while. So by creating that kind of uh, training and that kind of backup plan so that everybody's got, you know, somebody they can contact. So it's one point of contact instead of many and make it as easy as possible so that they, if they have an emergency, that they can very quickly do what they need to do to let their employer know what's going on, but still be very responsive to their loved one who desperately needs them at that point in a hurry so that, you know, everything gets taken care of. And that way that employee who then has to focus on being the supportive child can do it with peace of mind, knowing that they've taken care of that aspect of their life and now they can focus on helping to care for their loved one. Yeah, very true. And, and, I, I, and I think it's smart for, for companies to get this, you know, set up as a plan ahead of time um, because it happens more and more and more. And to pretend like it doesn't is really foolish, um, in my in my opinion. 
Uh, I, 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 and, and I completely agree. There's actually there was a report that came out of uh, the, the, the um, Harvard Business School in January 2019, which has the numbers on this. And, and, and what it comes down to is this. Employers tend to recognize that this is an issue, but they don't really do anything meaningful about it. <laughs> yep. you know? So the employees will say, well, you know, my employer says <laughs> that they care, but when push comes to shove and I need to be able to, to, to do, you know, thing A that will help my situation, they don't do anything to make me feel like they really mean it, that they want, that they want to support me through that thing A. So, um, you know, it's, it, it's extremely important, especially because, you know, you, companies spend a lot of money and time on cultivating their, their, their workforce. You know, we're, we're, we're living at a time when, when, you know, certain jobs have a lot of training. And, you know, and, and it takes time for an employee to become fully conversant and competent at what they do. So once you've made that investment in people, uh, if, if you want to keep them and you want them to, to, to be healthy and productive and well, then, you know, it really makes sense to acknowledge that, you know, they, they, that their being an employee is not the only facet of their life that matters, that they have a lot of other people in their lives who depend on them, and you know and and who will draw upon them for you know for support and attention um at one point or another, so you know we have to treat people as you know as 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 whole human beings <laughs> so, yeah um and, and some some employers get it um and I want to help them to express that they have it <laughs> in a way that's meaningful for their employees. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with that. It's uh, and there's a lot of uh, employees out there that live in fear that if their employer finds out that they have to make a few phone calls at work, you know, uh, to to juggle care for a loved one, that they're going to get fired. And mm-hmm. um, you know, you know, or they they have to take off to bring somebody to the doctor. And yet these employees are so loyal, but the, I don't know if they understand, I don't know if employees or employers understand the amount of fear and the stress that adds. And when you're adding those two variables, now you are, you know, decreasing your employee's immune system. You're, you know, increasing their stress levels that attack their own well-being, um, both men- mentally and physically. Um, to be able yes. to do the job. And when you feel supported, you're able to do your job better, you know, and maintain things, have have uh, more clarity for com- lines of communication, all of those things. But when we're stressed, sure. we spin, you know, and we forget uh-huh. stuff and we don't sleep. And, you know, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So it's, it's, it's a critical piece um, that I think companies really need to step into and, and I think many also believe they're already doing this, um, but I don't think most have had a, an honest conversation with their employees of what are the what are their services and is it really meeting their needs? And there's yes. a big gap yes. there from from what I hear and from what I see. 
on that. And, yeah. I, and I think the dance can be done um, pretty simply, but not if both sides aren't willing to share honestly what the needs are and, and what the constraints are. Um, you know, you're, you're avoiding the ability to get creative when you're not being inclusive of both sides or when you're just projecting that you think you know. I mean, that's what's happened with all of dementia. For years and years, professionals projected that they knew the needs. Hmm. And we're finding mm-hmm. out the last five years, uh, not so much, guys. You know, we need the voice of people who are diagnosed. We need the voice of families to really understand the true everyday needs and we have to think out of the box and we have to incorporate those conversations. So kudos for you for, you know, trying to tackle that. That's a, that's a, a big, um, a big nugget um, to crack on that one because so, so often with, with companies or organizations um, or even just us as individuals, we get into the rut of we've always done it this way. You know, this is our yes. comfort routine. This is, you know, we, we this is covered. Look right here in our manual. We have this down. <laughs> and and yet yeah. you have an employee look at it and go, that's not very welcoming. I don't really trust. I mean, sometimes it's just the verbiage even that needs to change. Um, or well, letting employees know that it's actually there. Yep. And here's another thing. It, it, it ha- they have to lead by example, right? Mm-hmm. If you have... A supervisor who never takes time off, mm-hmm. right? And culturally, you see that none of the people that you work with ever takes time off. Are you going to take time off? Yep. It's, there's going to be a discomfort about it because there's a cultural bias against people who do take time off. Yep. And so, if you know, if there's if your supervisor so, you know, is part of the conversation and says, you know, when my mom got sick and needed me, I took two weeks off to be with her when, when, when she was in rehab. You know, things of that nature where people who are in that position are willing to say, you know what, I did this. It helped me. So I would hope that when you're in that position, you will do it. And you will let us help you. And mm-hmm. when they see that, when an employee sees that, that it's culturally supported and instilled, now you feel like you're part of the club. Yep. And it's, and it's okay. And, and, and you'll do it, and you'll do it right. Because mm-hmm. the, the other side of the coin is that, you know, people who don't, don't talk about it, who think that if, if they reveal that they are in that position, that they will, you know, lose lose their their position, lose their um, their, their their place in line for, for 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 promotions and so forth, and then something happens, and they disappear, they ghost, yep. right? Because they, they've had the emergency, they couldn't they they couldn't call in because they were stuck at the emergency room and their cell they couldn't call in their cell. And then days later, they're like, oh, crap, I, did, I, I, I couldn't call in. Um, mm-hmm. I've lost my job. And they don't even bother going back because they don't think there's anything to go back to. Yep. So, you know, so by, by, by creating this culture where it's like, you know, it, it's ingrained in the culture, now you've got people who are like, 
they can breathe because they know that if something happens, they, that, that their employer will understand, that their supervisors will understand, their department will understand because we're all human beings. We all have families. This happens to everyone at, at one point or another. So let's be kind to each other. Let's support each other. Let's help each other. And yeah. it, 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 people will be healthier because of it. Well, and I think so often um, companies and organizations and even friends feel like, well, I'm not going to say anything because I can't fix it. Uh, what they're asking for is not for you to fix it, but to be supportive of their situation. And there's mm-hmm. a big, big difference there. I think doctors fall into this trap, too, even upon diagnosis. You know, they give the doom and gloom, get your papers in order, see in six months type thing, but they're not giving out resources. And a lot of times people will, you know, scope out those resources themselves. They just need to be pointed in the right direction. So, um, right. you know, may, maybe Dementia Map, the, the, our global resource directory, can help you in terms of partnering with, with businesses too, just to be able to give them one more place that's not as spooky as going to Google can be. Um, mm-hmm. can be so overwhelming for people. And, um, yeah, there's just there's so much overlap out there. But I think the biggest thing with any of this, this caring piece is to have honest conversations, to, to have some yeah. of those tough ones. Because when you have those tough conversations, typically life does get a little easier because you understand the other side a little better. And you're looking for different things and possibly what you were from the get-go. And to me, that's huge. That's absolutely yes. huge. Um, yes, Tracy, we, we only have a couple of minutes left, so I want to make sure that we get people your contact information. And you have said just send them to the website, Lori. Um, because they can they can get your book, they can contact you, they can see your other services and things there. And that website is www.dementiasucks.com, www.dementiasucks.com. And that way you can reach out to uh, Tracy if you are looking for, you know, a speaker or a trainer. Maybe you are an employer who's thinking, hey, maybe we need, have a discussion on this. Um, maybe we do need to make some changes with what is going on and how we how we build our teams and how how do we allow them to ebb and flow and still get the productivity we need, but still allowing them balance. Critical, critical question. So, again, uh, Tracy uh, Lawrence, thank you so much for your time today. Again, Tracy is the founder of Grand Family Planning and also the author of the the best-selling book, Dementia Sucks. So again, thank you for your time with us today, Tracy. Thank you so much, Lori. And uh, kudos to you for developing Dementia Map. I think it's a wonderful resource and I hope people will avail themselves of it. Well, thank you. And that wasn't just me. That was uh, Dave Widrick with the uh, Memory Cafe directory. He is he is my uh, partner and co-founder on that. And really, he's the lead and kind of the vision. But he built the site so quickly um, and uh, truly understands the needs of, of what people need, those living with dementia, those that care for them personally and professionally. 
Uh, for me, you can always just reach out to me at radio at alzheimerspeaks.com. Maybe you want to be our next guest. You know, we're always looking for guests. Um, we'd love to have a conversation with you. Everyone is welcome. We've had kids on, people diagnosed, family members uh, who have been on the journey to researchers, uh, musicians, directors, uh, authors, um, advocates, you name it. And there are a variety of businesses out there that are there to support you. So, you know, know you're not alone. And hopefully Alzheimer's Speaks can help you know what you don't know and help you find it. Bye now.